Chapter 3 King Jupiter The weariness vanished from Father as he closed his eyes, focusing on the trail. He smiled as if the memory of the story was sweet. There was a long, silent pause, just when Heather and Pickett began to wonder if he would ever speak again. He started. Long ago, in the great wood, there lived a rabbit king named Walter. You have heard many tales of Whitsun Mariner in the first trekkers. I've told you of the escape from Golden Coast, the calamitous sea voyage, the discovery of Natalia, and the battle of Eamon Lake. You know of King Whitson, of brave settler, of loyal Captain Blackstar and the others of our first heroes. Over a hundred years separated King Walter from his famous ancestor, Whitson Mariner, and a thousand tales <laughs> lay between them. Many kings were born, lived, and died in Natalia. Some of them were good, and some bad. King Walter was so well-loved that his small number of subjects called him the Good King, or King Good. This name came to distinguish him from his father, a cruel lord who served himself all his days. King Good had not only goodness, but also ambition. He tirelessly built back all that his father had lost and more besides. He called his small kingdom the Thirty Warrens, though in truth there were only twelve when he came to the throne. But he aspired to build and create, to secure good for all those who would follow. Jupiter, his third son and heir, took all his father's visions into his heart. He was like his father, only to King Good's delight, far more jolly and wise. King Goodson ascended the throne when his aged father was killed by raiding hawks. By the time King Jupiter had been on the throne for five years, the thirty warrants, as the kingdom was still called, included nearly a hundred warrens and spanned almost the entirety of the great wood. He was a great lord, humble and happy. He sought justice and went to war to get it. He was magnificent in battle. The world had never before seen such a noble king and never has since. Heather noticed Mother looking sadly at Father, a tear streaking down her cheek. Father went on. He had a powerful army and a great captain to lead it. One captain was perking one eye, perhaps King Jupiter's greatest friend and most valiant warrior. There was also Stab the Stout, Piquand, Fesselhorn, and 
Harlan Seer, the wizened warrior. Nine great wars were fought over twenty years. They are all worthy of great tales. Of course, King Jupiter was there in every battle, leading from the front with a fierceness rarely known in rabbits. In the Red Valley War, King Jupiter came to the aid of a small collection of warrens under siege. They were threatened by a pack of wolves, led by their wicked king, a ruthless wolf named Garlax. King Jupiter swept the wolves from the Red Valley. He fought Garlax himself, ending him in a spectacular battle as the sun set red. Oh, they sang songs of his victory for years. He was a wonder. <clears throat> Father paused to collect himself again. Heather and Pickett waited, wise and silent, eager for more. Heather wondered why such a happy story could make Father so sad. She didn't ask. Then she remembered that Father had called this tale the rise and fall of King Jupiter the Great. Father went on. He became known as the greatest fighting king of the age. It was his glory for a while, but eventually began to trouble him. The laughter in him quieted, and he became graver. He, he believed he had always tried to achieve peace, and he was sad that he so often had to find it at the end of his sword. So King Jupiter the Great, Lord of the Thirty Wards, bent all his energies to diplomacy, to avoiding any wars that could be prevented. Thanks to his many victories and his great army, he was successful. He forged alliances with the last holdouts of the old interwar and wars and brought home the rogue clans of Tarvin Bluff. He became sovereign of the Great Wood. He worked for peace in the forest, using his allied forces to rid the land of the most troublesome elements, including the fairly small number of birds of prey. All the awful raptors were banished back to their haunts in the high bleaks, for the forest was vigilantly protected by the vaunted army of Jupiter Goodson. In the firelight, Heather watched Mother cross the room and lay Jax in his crib. She stayed there for a while, watching him sleep. His father went on. All the energy he had given earlier to war, he put into gaining peace and keeping it. As his army had great captains, so too he had a council of seven ambassadors. Here Father stopped again, walking to stand in front of the fire, as if a sudden chill had found him. His back to the children, he went on. These counselors served as his own voice in the far regions of the forest and beyond. One rabbit he called to be their chief, Garton Longtreader. He lived up to the name of Longtreader 
making countless journeys into the deeps of the forest on missions to make alliances for the king. It was he who was credited for much of the expansion of the rule of Jupiter Goodson. It was said that King Jupiter held the world together, but long treader was his thread. The king was happy and just, father said, his voice cracking, rolling with wisdom, and building the idyllic kingdom his father had dreamed of. When the great alliance was forged and the wars seemed glorious memory, King Jupiter finally rested from his adventuring and married. His family grew and grew, and he was truly happy. Father stopped again, closed his eyes, and rubbed his chin. Mother slowly crossed the room again, her head bowed. The king was asked during this time by a faithful subject, What, Lord Jupiter, is the greatest joy in the peace you have won? He did not answer suddenly. That was not his way. He was a philosopher, king. So he thought on it. Finally, after several moments of silence, he answered with a wide smile, that I am my father's true son. Father bent then, sobbing quietly, and mother came to his side. She put her arms around him, eventually kissing his cheek and whispering in his ear. He nodded and laid his hand on her shoulder gently. You're always right, my dear, he said. I couldn't keep it from them any longer. Who knows what may... His voice trailed off. Mother nodded. I know. I'm sorry for my tears, children. They're not all sad, but some are. It's a story that he began, but he could not finish. It's lovely, Father, Heather said into the quiet, her voice soft. Father whispered thanks to her and then stood. He was magnificent, children. I wish you could have seen him standing at the head of his forces in gleaming golden armor. Like the dawn, children. All who knew him loved him without reserve. But he stopped, struggling to go on. Mother hung her head, and father managed to say, well, I should say that almost everyone loved him loyally. Father will tell you more another time, Mother said, taking his arm. For now it's time to sleep. It's a happy thought that there could be such a king, isn't it? It is, Mother, Heather said, her mind overflowing with questions and answers, gleaming armor and flashing swords. It's too good to not be true. 
A few minutes later, Heather and Pickett lay quietly in their beds upstairs. Their father had whispered his blessings on them, and Heather could hear his footfalls as he descended the winding stairs. Heather stared out the small window beyond Pickett's bed at the bright white moon. The storm was over, and it was almost chilly. From below, she heard Mother humming a song that she'd begun to sing earlier. And then she and Father were singing softly and sadly together. But it wasn't all sad. She couldn't make out the words, though she strained to hear them. But she understood something of what it meant. It was sad, yes, but there was a note of hopeful longing woven into the aching heartbreak of the tune. She closed her eyes on tears. Read the next chapter, 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 read the next chapter. Chapter 4. The Lady. Heather woke early, though she had not slept well. All night she had dreamed of King Jupiter tall and strong with golden armor gleaming in the sun. She had woken often only to sleep again and continue the dream. Now she got out of bed and crept past Pickett, who was still asleep, and made her way down the winding stairs. Father had hollowed out the elm years ago and made this beautiful stairway. She loved the smooth feel of the railing and the beauty of the pale grain of the carved elm. Breakfast smells found her as she descended, making her smile even as she yawned. She heard shifting chairs and low conversation, and paused a moment to listen. She heard an unfamiliar voice, female and ancient sounding, say in a hoarse whisper, They're on the move now, it is certain. I risk much in coming here, I know. I think he may decide this place is safe. Heather waited a moment, and then she heard her father speak. He may well. He's one of the few who know we're here. Are you sure you weren't followed? Father sounded worried, which worried Heather. I usually am. He knows Morbin is seeking the green apple, she said. Morbin has sent his wolves on the hunt. Heather went on rounding the last spiral steps to find her parents at table with the stranger whose back was to Heather. Good morning, Heather, the mother said, changing her face from worried to welcoming in an instant. Go back up and wake Pickett, dear. Then come and eat something. We have a guest that we'd like you to meet. The unknown lady and father were hunched over some papers, some of which looked like maps. The guest was short and appeared to be much older than mother. She wore the same sort of sweeping dresses mother often favored, the kind almost no one in Nick Hollow wore. Hers were black, and she wore elegant, long black gloves fringed with lace. She sat up straight, 
Her fur was gray, peppered with black. She turned her head slightly and raised it to peer slit-eyed at Heather. She nodded Heather's way and then returned to her papers. She resumed her conversation with father in hushed, insistent tones. Father winked at Heather and gave her an encouraging smile before returning to attend to the maps and the mysterious lady. Father is worried. What does that mean? She returned the smile, but did not mask her concerns. She ran back up the stairs and crossed to Pickett's bed. Wake up, Pickett, she, she whispered. He didn't move. Wake up, Pickett, she whispered louder. Nothing. This time she got right next to his ear, which was sagging over the side of the bed. Pickett, wake up, she shouted. He spun out of bed, knocking Heather back and rolling over on the floor twice before bouncing up. I was already awake, he said, staggering. Right, Heather said, laughing at him. And I'm a woodpecker. You're almost as irritating as one, Pickett said, as he dug at his still sleepy eyes. Let's go downstairs, she said. There's a lady down there who seems, I don't know, kind of important. She's talking to mother and father about something serious. I wonder what it is, Pickett said. Well, let's go and try to find out. They never tell us anything when stuff like this happens, Pickett said, stretching. Pickett was right. This sort of thing happened every few months, but lately more and more. A stranger had come last month. It had been happening a lot since Jax was born, six months before. You're right, Pickett, Heather sighed. They'll probably just send us for berries again. At least there's a built-in snack to that job. True, Heather agreed, smiling. Hey, Pickett, did you dream of King Jupiter last night? I tried, Pickett said, shrugging, but no such luck. You? Yeah, she said, amazing ones. You always have great dreams. I always have vivid dreams, she said. Sometimes they're not the good kind. I'd take it, he said. I dreamed I was riding on a blind cardinal's back and he kept flying into things. That'll be the day, she thought. He's afraid to climb a tree, let alone go storing in the sky. That would be a funny story, she said. Why don't you make up one about it, he said. Sure, I will, she said, smirking. Heather, you should, he said, stifling a, a yawn. You tell the best stories. Better than father? Well, he said, maybe not quite the very best, but really awfully terribly good ones. Terribly awful, she asked, scowling. He laughed. That's fair. I would love to write down these King Jupiter stories, she said. Well, hopefully we'll hear the rest today, Pickett said. I hope so, too. Well, we better get down there. We can ask Father later. They descended the spiral staircase to the bottom floor. Pickett had more to say. I wish I could have dreamed about him, he said, as the kitchen came into view. 
Pickett was looking up at Heather. What a story. Do you think it's true, Heather? It must be, right? King Jupiter, Lord of the Greenwood. It must have been a long... Pickett stopped short when he saw the guest who was standing beside Father at the foot of the stairs looking at the two young rabbits. She was short but graceful stern-looking with serious eyes. She crossed slowly to where they stood and looked each of them in the eyes in turn. Heather felt like she wasn't looking at their clothes or the color of their fur, but inside them. The guest bent in front of Pickett. Would you like to think there was such a king in this world? as Jupiter Goodson, she asked, peering into Pickett's eyes. At first, Heather feared he wouldn't answer. He didn't like to be put on the spot, but he did answer. More than anything, lady, he said, bowing. Heather wasn't sure why, but it seemed the right thing to do. So when the lady looked at her, she curtsied, bowing her head. What about you, young maiden, the lady said, peering into Heather's eyes. Do you long for such a king? With all my heart, she said, without hesitation. The lady turned to face father and mother, who stood arm in arm beside the table. She nodded to them. You do well, my friend. Thank you, they said together. My dear young rabbits, the lady said, King Jupiter is gone, but others take up his cause, and another fills his place.